Let's talk about the World Baseball Classic. Today is Monday, March 20th. We are uh, like seven hours out of Japan and Mexico in the second semi. The US has already punched its ticket to the World Baseball Classic Championship. And you got the three of us in an Airbnb. Uh, Aram, Peter, Jack, this is the Just Baseball Show. Really exciting stuff. We've been at, what, two quarterfinals and a semi to this point. We're going to semi two and we're going to the title game. Really excited to see Roki Sasaki pitch, but we've seen the Trey Turner spectacle so far. Uh, Peter, you have had literally a front row seat to the Trey Turner spectacle. Walk me through the, the experience so far for you being in this type of environment for the very first time. It's incredible. And one, I want to say I've never been to Lone Depot Park before. Great. Park is awesome. It's a great really park. Really clean. <laughs> Go ahead, right, go ahead. Yeah, but I'm saying, I, it's a great park. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised because I was expecting, honestly, a dump. I'm not going to lie to you. I was <laughs> expecting a dump. It's the Lone Depot Park. Didn't know much about it. But then I go, it's really clean. A lot of the people are great. The Even the workers around the stadium are no. awesome. Like, great stadium. So, I was thinking about it to myself, like, before you guys got here. I'm like... They're going to get such a skewed perspective. On, <laughs> not from the park itself. The park itself is really nice. Yeah. But, like... You guys need to get the real Lone Depot experience. I'm going to bring you back down here in like August. Marlins when there's A's four, on a Wednesday. 4,000 people there. <laughs> yeah. But no, you can really appreciate the stadium when there's people in it. And it's actually functioning like a stadium should function, which is housing people. So I'm glad that you guys have got it this way because I can't really express how unique it is for me to see that stadium packed. Yeah. Even going back to the old stadium, like just seeing anywhere where the Marlins play baseball packed is so rare for me. It's usually opening day. And that's it. Yeah. So it's been really cool. But I'm glad you guys like the stadium because I actually think it's a really underrated ballpark. You haven't seen it with the roof open yet. It is it is dope with the roof open. But thank goodness the roof is closed because it's been like either hot or kind of rainy. Right. Um, and it, it's loud with the roof closed too. So loud. I mean, <laughs> Jack's getting notifications on his Apple Watch saying like, yeah. go indoors. You're unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> and we already are indoors. It might be go outside. But yeah. yeah. So they, I'm sure they want to keep it like control variable right with the weather i the roof was closed at chase field for that pool play of course you had the tokyo dome i think the only games played outside so far were in taiwan yeah i think so yeah can so, we talk about how trey turner is seeing a beach ball right now no no we're not gonna do that today trey turner so <laughs> i, I gave out yeah i'm doing it anyway okay. uh there was um i gave out a prop uh the, in the preseason with trey turner over 19 and a half home runs Remember when we talked about how Mookie it's toast Betts? Now. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's looking real good, even though it hasn't started yet. Um, remember how we were saying like Mookie Betts at 35 home runs last year, and I called him like one of the most underrated power hitters because the last thing you think about when you think Mookie Betts is home runs. Yeah, it's kind of similar to Trey Turner: 28 home runs in 2021, 21 home runs last year. 
he's leaning into that power stroke and he's not a guy that if he hits the ball hard is just shooting in a gap for a double yeah. like he is hitting yeah. bombs and when you're seeing a beach ball and you face some of these bullpens like deep into the bullpen when you're winning by eight runs he's unstoppable right now and he hits eighth that's how good no, the United States is. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking about this last night, and I was like, why is Trey Turner feasting? One, he's seeing a beach ball. But two, he's seeing so many more pitches to hit, and yeah. he's leaning into that. To your point, like leveraging his hitter's counts or just trying to do damage because he knows, like, yes, the one through nine in this lineup is disgusting. disgusting. But you don't want that lineup turning over. No. Like the fact that you have to attack Trey Turner – Trey knows that. We were talking about it like I guess it's a second leadoff. It's almost beyond that. It's like this is a perfect role for him, and he's thriving in it. If they put their weakest hitter in the nine hole, I don't know if they take advantage of it the same way because you don't want that to turn over then to – how have they been going with the lineup? They go Mookie, Trout, Goldie, Arenado, and then it's like either Tucker or Schwarber. So do you want to put Trey Turner on or risk you know walking him to then face those guys? Like no way. You're no going way. right after Trey. And he is taking advantage of that. And he, the difference is he's not fouling off those those no. pitches over the middle. Right. He's crushing them every single time. Um, one thing before we forget, I want you to kind of explain to people like the the experience that you had yesterday because you were able to kind of like with, with the press pass, we're able to kind of like get anywhere to get video. Yeah. But usually if you're somewhere for a little while, they're like, all right, like go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, you you got to move around a little bit. But it was so chaotic behind home plate yesterday that as you noted to us, we're like, yeah, how'd you stick down there for so long? You were like, I was the least of their worries. Yes. So I, you know, with my media pass, I was trying to get as close as possible to get video in order to cut highlights for um, our social media. And when I went down there, I said, hey, would I be able to take some video? And they said, it's going to be crazy over here. We can't really have any media. And I was like, no worries. I'll be like kind of in the corner. You won't notice me. And they said, okay. And by the bottom of the first inning, I was probably worry number 805 on their yeah. list. Yeah. So a lot of the noise that was coming out of the front was a lot of Cuban protesters trying to show signs, trying to... Basically, just get his airtime for yeah. what they were trying to point across. And it was crazy because one part of Marlin security was really trying to stop kind of the, the yelling in between protesters. But what I noticed is that both Americans and Team Cuba fans were both on the same side. Yeah, yeah, yes. There was nobody yes. going against the protesters. There was no fights in between. It wasn't people. like six nine dodging beers. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so it felt it felt like security was trying to stop fights when in reality there were tons of Team USA fans fighting security, <laughs> to like telling them, them to thing. just let them do their thing. Yeah. The passion, mm -hmm. like you have to respect it from these fans too. Like the the vigor that they brought, it was as like an American. It, it's eye opening they, though. It was eye opening. They had signs where we have the right to have rights. Yeah, you yeah. like you empathize with these people, but the last thing they want is our empathy. Yeah. All they want is awareness. Awareness, and it was really cool to see both fans say this game is awesome, but it's about more than the game. Yeah. So it was one of the coolest atmospheres I've ever been in. But I was just 
I wish security kind of let them do more, but I understand you know in a There's stadium three, like that. I get it too, because like three people ran on the field. Exactly. Yeah. So three people ran trying, on the field. Yeah. They were just trying to lower the volume, yeah. but I was thinking we got to give these people as much airtime yeah. as possible well, because this is so important. The one thing I will say before we get back into baseball, though, I just really wanted to highlight this because I think especially where the event is, right, we're in Little Havana. Yeah. Um, this is a, it was unlikely that Cuba was going to make it this far because a lot of the best Cuban players are not playing for the team because of how they feel about the way things are being run in Cuba and they feel that the team is kind of tied in with the yeah. government. Yeah. and. My, my grandfather was a political prisoner of Fidel Castro for 28 years. So, you know, part of the Bay of Pigs invasion, like, he told me story after story after story, and I would really understand where that passion comes from. So to yeah. see that firsthand, my, my grandfather's no longer with us, but, like, I, that was one of those where I was sitting there and I'm thinking, like, man, he would love what's happening right now, even right. though the game was a blowout. And we've had amazing baseball games otherwise. The worst baseball game we got in terms of what was happening on the baseball. field, I think was one of the most powerful no and doubt about it. powerful events that we got throughout this WBC. Think about this. We're in the semifinal of the World Baseball Classic, and I'm one of 50 cameras, and I'm one of three pointed at the field. <laughs> That's what it felt like down there. Yeah. And it was just, it was an incredible kind of position to be in because... The World Baseball Classic is the first time it's happened in six years. Yeah. Cuba's never, I don't think, been to this point in the World Baseball Classic either. Um, oh, so six. we followed it up. Oh, six or oh, six. Oh, six. That's a we, long time. We followed yeah. it up with Venezuela, which was versus the United States, which is, in my opinion, the best game I've ever been to in my entire life. I've been to a World Series game, been to playoff games, been to different sports. That was the single best game I've ever been to, followed by a 14-2 route where the crowd where the atmosphere was one of the most impactful, maybe the most impactful that I've ever been to. So back-to-back, -back, and we have Japan and Mexico, and then the final. We're not, <laughs> even, it's not even over. Sasaki it's not even over. Right, so let's work backwards here, because you're right, it was certainly the least interesting baseball that we saw <laughs> yeah. in the first semi. Again, it was a 14-2 U.S. win. But speaking to the political charge of the crowd yesterday, Will Cohen, our videographer and video editor, we, we were walking around the ballpark pregame, and we were trying to find Cuban fans to talk to, but it was actually kind of interesting because whenever we would see a Cuba hat, it was accompanied by a USA jersey or yep. vice versa. A lot of Cuban fans were cheering for the U.S. There were signs that said, you know, this Cuban team is not indicative of Cuba. Like, they don't represent well. Mm -hmm. The crowd was booing defectors. Yoan Moncada, Luis Robert... Um, uh, who, they were Ronald booing Lomanos. the entire team. Yeah. They yeah. really were. They and were booing. There was there was um there was fans that was just screaming at the dugout. I was right next to them. Uh, they were speaking Spanish. Unfortunately, I don't know Spanish, <laughs> so I couldn't translate. But you could tell the body language was yes. negative. They were yeah. screaming at kind of everyone. Lots of boos. And to your point, John Morosi tweeted out that it felt like it was 50-50. Team USA, Team Cuba fans. But what, at points, from it what felt we like 100% saw, US. It, well, it also felt like there was 30% Americans, 70% yes. Cubans, yes. but 80% Team USA fans. Correct. That It was a different kind of atmosphere. When in the other game in Venezuela, man, it was 90-10 yeah. Team Venezuela fans. Yeah. So that game, it, it did get away from baseball when the baseball got away, which yeah. is really fascinating. And Arm and I were talking about this this morning. The World Baseball Classic will never be the World Cup. The World Cup is the biggest non-Olympic sporting event on the face of the earth, and it is the biggest thing in soccer. We're trying to make it bigger than the World Cup, so never say never. 
It's we've never, tried our best. It, we've <laughs> tried our best. <laughs> okay. hey, let us try our best. Negative Jack here. It's, it's awesome. never going to be bigger it's than the World Cup. Positive Peter, it will be. Uh, I don't think so, Peter. But so. Um, the World Baseball Classic can be one of the biggest international events on the sports landscape, especially in the non-Olympic sports landscape. Because the Olympics is kind of like its own beast here. The World Baseball Classic... I think took a really interesting step yesterday where it transcended baseball. Yeah, where yeah. earlier it was, okay, Puerto Rico and Mexico are playing. It's all about the stars on the field. Yesterday transcended that. We see a lot of conversation about the World Cup being held in Qatar. It's a bigger than soccer thing. This was a bigger than baseball thing, which, you know, I good or bad, you decide. But it does show that this event is important and not meaningless, Kevin Clancy. Um Baseball-wise, the U.S. flexed their muscles big time. That's the U.S. lineup that I think we're expecting. And if they show up like that in the final, I mean, there was no fucking break. They scored in every inning until the every seventh. Inning. Every inning. Um, and, and that was the difference. Like we were kind of, I think we kind of felt like that was going to happen when when you saw the way U.S. finished the last game. Yeah. And you're like, they're going to see, you know, and not not to take anything away from from a lot of the the arms that the, the Cuban national team had, the guys that have had a lot of success in the Cuban leagues. But it's a different beast. You it's know? a different beast. It's, it's a different beast. We, we compared to kind of college baseball, right? Where the the it's like a non power five school faces LSU. Yeah, like it's just a by different... the time you get to the bullpen, like yeah. it's just there's a steep drop off. And when you got guys that are locked in, right? They they kind of got the rust off and in, in the pool play into that first game. It just it was almost like batting practice for them. <laughs> like and I like it it respectfully, really was. it was. It really was. So you said 100 percent locked in. I don't think that team is 100% locked in until Trey Turner's grand slam. Like, yeah, I don't moving think so. to the U.S. Yeah. No, I, I even agree Trout. With you. Trout didn't have great at bats yesterday. He struck out. He had twice. a beautiful swing in the last at bat when Oppo yeah. line drive, but like he, he struck out twice. And yeah, so I mean that that that's the interesting part is like I, I really am interested to see now they go from that back to you know some high level pitching yeah. of whoever they face, whether it's Mexico or Japan, it's going to be much better pitching. Yeah, if it's Japan. It's going to be a really good challenge. It's going to be Darvish and probably Otani out of the bullpen, if that's the case. We're going to see Roki Sasaki and Yamamoto likely today, which is fascinating. Um, but yeah, man, I feel like they didn't click until that Trey Turner grand slam, and they were going to get bounced before that happened. I think Trey Turner saved the United States in terms of th- their repeat chances. And you can say, oh, well, no shit, Jack. Like, look at the box score. It yeah. changed everything. 7-5, <laughs> 9-7. I'm telling you, it was like, different, yeah. it was, that was the passion that the U.S. did not have that no. every other team in this World Baseball Classic had. And we were praying for the U.S. to show any sort of passion for the game. It wasn't happening until that Trey Turner grand slam. Aram, you were in the presser, and I thought you made a really good point when you were listening to Mark DeRosa talk, when you were talking about matching the energy or not. When he was talking to you about it, I I just, if you could go over that point again, because that really, that's what Jack is talking about. And Mark DeRosa, I think we even had questions about his management style. I mean, he, the United States, for how good their team was, was not performing up to expectations. We saw Venezuela sweep through a pool that featured the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. We saw Japan win every game they played by 10 plus runs, and the USA didn't win their pool. Yeah. Mexico ended up winning the pool. But Mark DeRosa said something I want you to yeah, touch on. Yeah, and what's interesting, point. too, is the two best rosters, probably. And you can put Japan right there, too. But DR gets bounced. But USA could have easily got bounced. The United States had a better roster than them. Yeah. I thought so, especially losing Vladdy. 
losing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. They had Sandy in the rotation. They did. They did have Sandy in the rotation. So maybe from the top pitcher to the last guy on the bench. But if we're talking about a lineup, yeah. And then when you have a good pitcher pitching for the United States, like yeah, Sandy's great, but that lineup from one to nine was better than the Dominican Republic, yeah. at least I think so, without Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So to the DeRosa point, he played in the Venezuelan Winter League. And so he's like really, really big on the passion and everything yeah. that goes into it. And he was saying that he thinks like almost every player should, if they can, play in the Venezuelan Winter League. But he was saying that he really wanted to see his players, he really wanted to see Team USA match that energy, specifically getting out of the dugout, yeah. like fight all of those things that MLB has kind of told you to do, that like the, the culture that MLB, and, and we've seen that kind of loosen a little bit and a little bit year yeah. by year, but you never see guys jumping out of the dugout, right? So like that was the one thing that he really wanted to see. He was like, I want to see them match that. And they weren't, even on they some weren't. big hits, they weren't. But no matter who you are, you could be the most boring dude on earth. And I'll be honest, like Trey Turner, I love him, he's an exciting player. He's not the biggest like flashy guy in yeah. the world. He couldn't help himself on the hit. And I think almost seeing Trey Turner look to the dugout and like scream and like erupt, 35 guys jumped out of that dugout and yeah. were out on the field. And I think that was literally what like we, we had the, the gasoline sitting there yeah. and there was just nobody willing to light the match. And finally that latch got that match got lit and, and that was it. And now we're seeing a USA team that is matching the energy of a lot of these Latin countries that just do it innately. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool. Right. So no offense to Trey Turner, but like if Tim Anderson or Nolan Arenado does that, it's like, oh, TA's just being TA or Nolan's just being Nolan. Like you need a boring ass guy <laughs> yeah. and really yeah. excited. And yeah. like Trout, Trout's Trout's Mickey going Mantle. like this. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Trout's fired Trout's up. And we never see that. We never right. see Mike Trout so, show that type of emotion. So when Scruggs he did that, that, like that was right. almost like Scruggs, lightning. Scruggs tweeted that. He was yes. like, it was the gift. He's like, I've never seen him like this. Yeah. No, like, man, I mean, Mike Trout, boring as shit. Mickey <laughs> Mantle, but boring as shit. Trey Turner, one of the best players in the game, boring as shit. To see somebody that is labeled boring as shit get really excited and show the personality, that shows that... You only get this kind of energy and passion around baseball once every four years, yeah. which is what makes this tournament unparalleled. And talk about passion over four years. Trey Turner called it the biggest home run he's ever hit. We've and we hear them in the presser after the game. Every single one of these guys says, this might be the loudest environment I've ever Wayno played said in. it. Wayno said it. And how many years has Wayno played? How 40. many World Series has Wayno played in? <laughs> 30. Exactly. Like, he has been in every big game that you could possibly be in as a big leaguer. And they all utter the same sentiment. This is the most rowdy, crazy environment that they've ever played in. And... To call it meaningless baseball is just like the dumbest take of all time. Yeah, I, I, it's the dumbest take of all time. And to latch yourself to that, like you're doing yourself a disservice. I remember when we were doing our World Baseball Classic preview, we called it the best baseball we might see all year. And I think it's living up to that. Yes. it's And it's growing. It's growing. I mean, I, I grew up going to these, you know, with my dad because they've always been down here. Yeah. And in the old football stadium, and they would pull good crowds. But... If you look at a lot of the, the numbers around this, around this event, like it has been continuously growing from a viewership standpoint, from a butts and seats standpoint, and I'll pull up some of the numbers in a minute here. Oh, I have some of the numbers off the top of my head. Yeah. Some of these, um, like the Trey Turner Grand Slam 
did 7 million impressions on social media while Aaron Judge's 62nd home run, which was the highest of the MLB season, did 2.7 million impressions. It's not even close. Shohei Otani is getting numbers that we've never seen in Major League Baseball. And that's social, which is, of course, huge for baseball. That's that's the young audience. That's huge for baseball. And then from a viewership standpoint, Japan versus South Korea, and this is internationally, but... On March 10th, pulled a 44.4 TV rating, and this is via front office sports. So TV uh, rating is percentage of household tuned in. So yeah. 45% of Japanese households were so tuned in. That's the that, Super Bowl. That's a better rating than the Tokyo Olympics. And the Island Nation's first four games averaged a whopping 42.3 rating. So uh, it, that is legitimately like unmatched. It, it is the Super Bowl for them. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's something that it's not just unique to Japan. We saw it in Taiwan with, with massive growth there. The Caribbean, what was it, 62% of Puerto Rican households? 62%. Yeah. The majority. The, yeah. If you walk down the street and knock on doors... More, there's they were all watching. A more than a 50-50 chance. And, and that, think about it. There's a lot of people gathered in on one TV too. Yeah. So I, there, you could make the argument most likely that every single person in Puerto Rico was at the TV on was so watching that game. I am going to poke a hole in that because those ratings do account for TVs that are on that are not tuned into that. So it's not like dormant TVs. Dormant TVs don't count. Can't we just run with the narrative and have fun? <laughs> no. Again, Whether it be true negative, or not. Negative Jack. Rearing <laughs> its head. Um, yeah, man. I mean... These countries love their baseball, and I think the U.S. loves their baseball. We just, like, don't see it shown in as concrete a way as these other countries, which is what makes this tournament beautiful because it almost, like, gives U.S. fans and gives USA Baseball that kick in the ass that it's like, hey, we've got this. Let's just unleash it. And I think that they are starting to unleash it, and that came in the Venezuela game. I think us three, we went into that Venezuela-U.S. game saying... The crowd may be good. Like, I don't know how many Venezuelan fans were going to be there. Venezuela fucking loves their baseball. That was incredible. A better crowd than Puerto Rico, which was shocking. And obviously everybody's watching on the island. But, like, Puerto Rico, rowdy crowd. Venezuela, the upper deck was twice as full. It, It was incredible to see Venezuela. And, I mean, they were active the entire game. I think that country, like, if, if we're looking at just pure baseball, like, stock, that country's a rocket ship. When Luis Arise hit that home run to go up 7-5, yeah. that was the single loudest environment I've ever been at at a sporting event. Yeah. That place, everyone in the stadium was jumping up and down, hitting instruments, screaming at the top of their lungs. I think you got an alert. It was like you got to go lay down. You're having a heart attack yeah. on your Apple Watch. Yeah, well, my resting heart rate's like 280. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there you go. But it was an unbelievable atmosphere. The best game I've ever been to. The back and forth nature of the home runs. The passion from both sides. The Trey Turner Grand Slam. Everything about it was why we love sports so much, right? It Arise felt completely is- unscripted. It was Luis Arise. In Miami, too. So He's never had a multi-home run game. It was just, everything about it was unbelievable. That guy's never had a multi-home run game in any stop in his professional career. And he just does it in in Marlins Park, our Lone Depot, where people are like, oh, how's the power going to play? Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Bombs. Bombs. Like, way out of here. There weren't even, there wasn't scrapers. It wasn't a Yankee stadium, like, low liner where barely gets out. 
These were no doubters. No doubters. Real, absolutely. Real quick, do you know how Jose Salas and Byron Chorio are doing in Fort Myers? <laughs> yeah, Salas, I'm hearing, looks really good. Oh, um, great. Yeah. Is he like Luis Arroyo? Marlins are trying to undo the trade. They're trying to find a technicality here. And, Ooh, yeah, yeah. I don't really understand that at all. What? It's like you get a 25-year-old, and that was honestly my fault. I remember when the trade first came across like the ticker. Fleeced. Yeah. Not that Minnesota fleeced. You said Minnesota won the trade. I, I I still think that there's there's a part of that. I, we got to see Luis Arise play over the full season because, of course, Pablo Lopez was again in that trade. But my immediate reaction was, man, Luis Arise is like 28, 29. Nope. He's 25. Yeah, he's, um, and a young 25. And a young right? 25. 25. So you have you have plenty of years of control there, too. It's it's Whether or not who won or lost, maybe we'll find that out in a couple of years. But right now, this is what Miami needed was a hitter like Luis Arise. It's... No coincidence, he's hitting third in a Venezuela lineup that features Ron Acuna Jr., it features Jose Altuve, it features some of the best hitters on planet Earth, a six and win he's player, hitting third. A six-win player in Andres Jimenez hit ninth. Ninth. For Venezuela. And Gleyber Torres, a two-win player, was hitting eighth. Yeah, so you combine Maybe those three two and you got eight war. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, Shout that's out Andres Shout Jimenez. Shout out Gleyber Torres. <laughs> uh, how about that PR Mexico game, man? Because we're, we're going to watch Japan and Mexico play today. And while Mexico, like, oh, they didn't so have the share of the fan base that I think we were maybe expecting. Like, I was expecting 70-30 Puerto Rico. It was 95-5 Puerto Rico. But Mexico, like, there's something about fucking Randy Rosarana, man. Oh. I mean, that guy. And, and like, I, I do want to talk about international hobby bias. <laughs> and tournament Randy Rosarina. Yeah. Randy is the freak of all freaks when it comes to the big moment. And I've seen videos on Twitter now the last couple of days of like Little League doubles and guys are doing like the arms crossed mean mug thing that Randy's doing. That guy is a star. A star. And if I'm Tampa, I'm holding on to him. I don't think he's going to be very expensive. I don't think that they'll extend him because Tampa operates at a very high level, but... I think he is a fan favorite anywhere he goes, and tournaments like this only increase his stock in that way, his marketability. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Is I'm interested to see the marketability. Like, if if the, if the team stays, if they get a stadium in Tampa, they they need to keep Randy Rosarena. But like from a pure baseball standpoint, like I could see on a 162, you're trying to win games. Yeah, like you you open fan graphs and it's like, eh, and he's, he's like he's pretty good. Better. He's pretty good. But I've never like. Because it's funny, every player I've talked to swears that, you know, the, the guys that are like clutch in the playoffs, like it's, it's very rare. Like it's not one of those things that it's like cut and dry, like 50% of guys like can play in the playoffs, 50% can't. Like for the most part, they're like, it's just getting hot at the right time. Yeah. But then there's like the one or two like few guys that have like that just r- low heart rate no matter what that really rise to the moment and like that's in a Rosarena. But I really think there's only a few guys that really transcend. Yeah. Like their game really changes on the big stage. Most guys it's just like, is he hot right now or not? Like Trey Turner has bad playoff stats in his career. Yeah. Has nothing to do with his ability to be clutch on the big stage, clearly. Yeah. It's just like the times that he's been in the playoffs, he's just been slumping or he got a little tired. Or that's the thing. Also, guys running out of gas at the end of the year. Like guys that struggle in the playoffs might be guys that just don't have great long-term endurance for the season whose legs get up, you know, kind of go away from under them. Like there's so many variables. It's not really like this guy's good in the playoffs. He turns into a different person, but Randy Rosarena is very clearly that guy because we've seen that now on the playoff stage on multiple occasions. And now we've seen it on this stage. This stage really solidified it for me. I'm like, this guy will always be good in the big moments. Yes. 
the word clutch is also interesting too, right? Because let's say a guy hits 280 during the regular season and then hits 280 in the playoffs. Is he clutch or is he just that good of a player? But it's funny, you look at Randy Rosarina's regular season stats and then he almost doubles what he does no, in the regular season. And he's not a bad regular season player. I have a prediction. I think Steve Cohen is watching these playoffs and he's like, I want a guy like Randy Rosarina. I could see... After Canada's up or Marte? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like, I, I feel that he sees a guy in Randy who would be a huge marketable star if he came over oh, to Queens. Oh, my God, Mets fans would And then if he goes on a playoff run, he'd become the king of New York. I could see Steve Cohen either making a trade with Tampa, maybe paying too much because he sees what, what Randy's doing in the World Baseball Classic, what he's done in previous years in the playoffs. I could totally see Randy becoming a New York Met. Yes. So I think Randy is a major market. But at the same time, I want the Rays to keep him. Like, that's awesome for the Rays. Yeah, but that's not a major market. And their attendance is even poor in the postseason. You know what I mean? Like, if that guy is... Because the stadium sucks. Yeah, and it's hard to get to. Like, St. Pete is tough to get to. Um, If Randy does stay in Tampa, you know, you're playing at the Trop right now that's 70% full for a postseason game. Like, that's not that good. And, And think about how freaking good that guy is right now. Now, watch him tonight against Japan. Guarantee you he's going to step up and that place is going to be filled to the brim. If he's in a major market and you've got to sell out of passionate fans every night. You know, the, the Dodgers, like, they've kind of got that relaxed West Coast feel. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if Randy succeeds there. But I think, like, you know, say he's in a New York, whether it's as a Yankee or as a Met, if he's a Boston Red Sox. Like, that's the kind of guy that I think could meet high expectations even during the regular season if the buy-in is there. And honestly, that's my concern about Javi Baez, too. Yeah. We see buy-in from Javi Baez in this tournament. Yeah. And he's a $300 million player like that. He's a 140 when you don't have buy-in over 162. Yeah, and I think him playing on the Tigers doesn't help. No, not at all. And, but... It is amazing, though, how much his performance, like is dependent on just being, like, locked in. Body. I yeah. really do. Like, it has become that clear to me. Like, not that his approach was, like, perfect in this World Baseball Classic, but you it see a different better. level of locked in. He's not chasing 70% of breaking. Yeah. And he hit close to 400, right? He hit 368 in this tournament. And just to put it in perspective, just before the tournament, in spring training, he was 3 for 19. And 3 does, for 19. Doesn't like, this summarize, like, why we get so upset with Javi Baez? Yes. Because it's not a player who... Just doesn't have the talent and is swinging and missing. Like then we'll have another conversation about that. We see superstar talent. He showed it in Chicago when he goes over to the Mets and they're in the playoff hunt. He looks like an MVP yeah. candidate. Then we come tournament time. He's hitting 368. He's making great plays in the field. That's why we make fun of him so much, and that's why we freak out about him because it's like we know it's there, dude. We know it's there. It's just. When it's Detroit against the Royals on a Wednesday, he's nowhere to be seen. He looks completely checked out. We want that hobby bias, and we hope we see it next year. And again, might we point you to exactly when he is good? Like hindsight 2020, obviously. But when you take the step back and like look from 100 feet over the top, you notice Javi Baez's best years when he was flirting with an MVP candidacy. Javi Baez was playing in front of a packed crowd at Wrigley Field because he was on a good Cubs team. The Cubs sell out when they're shitty. When they're really good, that's a passionate sellout. Yeah. And then when they're on the road, oh, we're seeing the Cubs that won the World Series in 2016. Javi Baez was a big part of that. He is what people go to the ballpark for when the team is good. I mean, even look at him making a playoff push with the Mets. 
He was a 900 OPS he guy was when amazing. he went over there at the deadline. He was fantastic. He is great in meaningful baseball games. If the Tigers don't play meaningful baseball they're games, not. they're not going to, right? Like 20 games out of the 162 this year may be quote-unquote meaningful. And I bet Javi steps up for that. It's a shame that we have to see him in a market like Detroit. And another another Tiger uh, was listening to A.J. Hinch on the Chris Rose rotation. And he said the best thing for Miguel Cabrera is for us to win. Miguel Cabrera wants to be with a winning that's team in his last year. That's all they want to do. Like It's great for them to parade around Miggy, give him his flowers, which they will and they should because he's one of the best hitters of our generation. Right. But I bet if you ask Miggy, hey, would you like a tour of all the stadiums and to get a ton of love and for us to lose 90 games, or would you rather win 90 games and nobody talks about you one time and then you sail off into the sunset, I guarantee you he picks the ladder yes. 10 times out of 10. Well, That's what they want. Think about this. I mean, I know he made a couple more playoff appearances with, with the Tigers, but he, he had more success with the Marlins. Yeah. He won the World Series in 03 as, as a 20-year-old and and never really had the chance to do much after that. Like they had a couple appearances here and there. In 13, yeah, yeah, but that's it, right? And I mean, and and he was been in Detroit for a long, long Remember what time. What he for the triple crowd? Yes, that's yes. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that it was, was really was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. And they were good. Yeah, they year. were good. They were so, good. Yeah, man. I mean, Javi Baez was a spectacle to watch. Uh, it, it was so fun was cool. to hear the crowd hear the crowd roar for the starting lineups. Like, it, you know, before I actually saw a pitch in the World Baseball Classic when I was here, the loudest I think I've ever heard a ballpark was when Yadier Molina was introduced as the Puerto Rican manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Miguel Cabrera being introduced yes. uh, in the reserves for Venezuela. It yeah. was so ridiculously loud. I'm really excited to hear the ovation for Shohei Otani today. Oh. Very excited. I think Americans will be cheering for oh, Shohei Otani. Everyone yeah, will to. be on their feet. Have he to, is, man. and we get to see Roki Sasaki. We might see Yamamoto come in relief. Yeah. I'm excited to see Murakami. This Japan team is excellent. But I think we were talking about it afterwards. If the United States is playing to that level, I don't think Japan at their best can beat them. Because Japan is great. And I think Japan, when they're slightly motivated and the U.S. is slightly motivated, I think Japan wins that game. But if they're both firing on all cylinders, the United States might just have too much firepower but I am so excited to see Roki Sasaki. You look at the lineup for Japan, who cracks the lineup for the U.S.? Like, Otani. It's probably just Otani. It's probably just Otani, right? Like, Lars Nootbaar doesn't make the roster no. for the United States. I, I think, you know, and again, we, they got to both get the... the or but there's also something there. about playing as a team, yeah. right? And Japan plays as a team, and I think the U.S. has found that once Trey Turner hit that home run. Yes. They played as a team against Cuba... And they looked like a tank. Like they were just rolling through. But real quick, can I say, a 12-run win almost takes the passion away a little bit. I hope it doesn't. Yes. I I really hope it doesn't. I hope they don't come out flat and thinking, oh, we can then beat anybody at our game. You know, I'm interested because I I think they're having the time of their lives. I think that's been very clear. Like Adam Wainwright saying that's like, this is their last game. You know, when they get to the championship, that's it. So I'm hoping that they kind of go out there and just like give it all they got, empty the tank. Because... For some of these guys, especially Goldie, this is going to be the last time they play in the WBC, right? Yeah. Wayno, obviously. This yeah. is part of the last season. That no, he's we don't have. know about Wayno. <laughs> Wayno might be back for next year. He'd probably be the man. I'll be the pitching coach, I guarantee no, yeah. you. He might be. He'll be a player manager. Even Arenado, like, I, don't, I doubt he plays in three years. You know, I I, like at 30, 34, 35, like, is he yeah. going to do that? Probably not. So, you know, for a lot of these guys, I think even Trout, right? Like, yeah. this might be the last time. And for those listening to the podcast, like, tune in because – 
This is probably the last time you're going to see Mike Trout, future Hall of Famer, in a, USA in a USA jersey. If he does do it later, maybe he does it in a li limited role. It's not going to be him, you know. For sure. I just don't. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. No, maybe but he's even still, he's had his back issues. Yeah, like, that's like been I, a huge thing. I think, what's the only narrative that you can bring down Trout yeah, is injuries. Is and the best way to predict future injuries is past injuries. Yeah. I mean, that's why we do it. So And just getting older. So it's Exactly. Just, uh, that, that's one thing. Like, this is probably one thing I can guarantee is this is going to be the last time you see this group together. Yes. Right? There's going to be some very there there's gonna be some awesome new guys coming in but at the same time you know th there's not gonna be this group together so soak it all in you know because I think this is something that uh, we're gonna look back on and, and no matter what happens in that championship it's really special on the Japan side soak it all in because I think it's gonna be a really cool opportunity to say hey you know, I, I remember watching Sasaki on TV yeah. when he wins the Cy Young, yeah. you know, for for the National or American League in a few years, which is very, very possible. He's so. City Royals ace, Roki Sasaki. Yeah, like he's the level of phenom that is coming over that is similar to a Shohei. It's just that Roki is a pitcher. Like, I could ultimately see Roki Sasaki coming over and by age... 24-25 is maybe the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. So we're going to have a lot of video content on our YouTube. Will Cohen is doing, a, he's running a master class right now in terms of grabbing video. He's in the other room right now yeah. chopping <laughs> that shit up. And and we, we talked to a head of Cuba and the U.S. Like there was a joke on Twitter circulating that the crowd was like 70% Cuba, 15% U.S., 15% Japanese fans. Like there are a Seriously. lot of Japanese Dude, there's fans no room the in the press box. Yeah, the media is <laughs> no and it's like, it's, it's like a Puerto Rico versus the United States, or this is just what, another version of a game, and it's half Japanese media. You could just tell it's something's brewing. Yeah. I feel like we're going to walk into the stadium because we're recording the on Monday when this podcast comes out, but before the Japan-Mexico game. Yeah. I don't really know what to expect, but I have a feeling that the stadium is going to be fully sold out, and there will be thousands and thousands and thousands of rowdy Japanese fans. I can't wait. The amount of people that we were talking to yesterday that flew in from Tokyo. Like, we, we did an it's interview. It's so be, insane. And they go to all the games. Insane. They go to all the games. Right. And there's very few things I'm flying around the world for. No. Like, no, This is the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> this is. is the biggest thing. This is Shohei Otani, the greatest player ever to come out of Japan. This is the World Cup. Yeah, this is the big... Like, this, this is, is the World Cup. This is it. Um, no, but you'll see it on YouTube. But just to summarize, like, we talked to um, two Japanese guys that came in from Tokyo, you know, still probably fighting jet lag. Um, but one of them was holding a Roki Sasaki jersey in the background. Yeah. And I was, I was talking to another and I said, why, why did you come all the way from Tokyo? And they said, this is the biggest sporting event of our lives. Yeah. Like, we have to be here for this. Uh, and then I asked a Sasaki question uh, and I said, is he a better pitcher than Otani? And without hesitation, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you watch video of this guy. It looks like a young Doc Gooden. Like, in terms of just a hundred, it looks like a Strider profile. It's just, it's a different level of electricity that comes from a pitcher, like a DeGrom, like a Strider, like a Gooden. Like, where it's just, it feels different than anybody. Shohei has that. I love that you just put Spencer Strider in the conversation with DeGrom and Doc Gooden. It's the, it's the type of electricity. Yeah. I mean, Strider put together a season that was, like, kind of similar to the Doc Gooden, yeah. not to the level of innings, of course. But it's that... When you watch them, it feels a little bit different. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Yeah, and that's what Roki has. And Shohei has it, but the fact that Roki might have it more at such a young age. Because it's not like Roki's 26, he's right? He's 21, We're going to put this episode out, he's going to get shelled. Yeah, he's going to get shelled. <laughs> I just, but, I mean, yeah. I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game. But 
one more thing that I want to touch about on Team Mexico. Yeah, I was about to say, I, want, I, want, I do want to talk about, I want to give Mexico their flowers. Because they deserve it. This they is, are in this the is semifinal. That doesn't have a ton of superstars. Really doesn't have any superstars if you look at it. Random, man. Well, yeah, Julio Reyes. And that's what I want to talk about a superstar. I bet on Team Mexico 18-1 to to win this entire thing. And the reason I really liked them was they had a lot of big-time players. They might not be the stars over the regular season, but when you have a Randy Rosarina and when you have a Julio Arias, but Arias has been one of the more disappointing yeah. players, I think, so far in this World Baseball Classic. I wouldn't do it saying, if I have Julio Arias on the mound and I have Randy Rosarina leading off, they could beat any team in the world. <laughs> but Arias has not been the no. reason that this team For- is... How about Javier Assad looking like Roki Sasaki? Yeah. I mean, he's been unbelievable. Well, here's the breakdown, right? This is the game against Puerto Rico uh, where they win 5-4. to four. Arias, four innings, five hits, four runs, one walk, four Ks. Assad piggybacks, two and two-thirds, one hit, no runs, one walk, four Ks. Against and a really good Puerto a Rico really lineup. A really good Puerto Rican lineup. So, so by the way, for, for Cubs fans... Get excited about Javier Sun. We'll He's be talking great. about him more in the coming episodes. That's a guy that Jack and I saw in Double A. Triple, uh, yeah. And I'm right by an old you saw in triple. Looks great. You saw in triple. I before that was like six pitches of like just mix it up and keep guys uncomfortable. Now it's ticked up and he's got six pitches. So yeah. he looks really awesome. But this Mexican team is just what's interesting about them is that they don't have that like perennial All Star lineup. But there's not really a steep drop-off no. anywhere. One through nine, it's solid bat, right? Yeah. It's solid big leaguer. You go from Randy to Verdugo to to Manessis to Telez to Paredes, who was fantastic. I took his under on bases and he went nuclear. <laughs> yeah. He homered first at bat and then like doubled. I looked at Arm was like, why'd you do that? Of course Paredes was going to go off. Like their, their biggest weakness is like Alan Trejo, right? Like or and He it, hasn't even been terrible. No, he hasn't I, been good. He hasn't been bad either. Here's the thing, like... Oakland beats the Astros several times a year. You know what I mean? So a team with Alan Trejo at short beats a team with Trey Turner at short occasionally. They beat them 11 to 5. Because they've got nine big leaguers. They kind of crush them. They have nine major leaguers. And this team has nine major leaguers. And they have confidence, too. They they know they can go in any game and beat it. It's not like, you know, uh, the Team Cuba with a couple of major leaguers. And, you know, I bet they still have the confidence that they can go in and beat anybody. But But with a lineup, when you know you have a major league pitcher, whether it be Arias, whether it be Sandoval, whether it be Tywin Walker, whether it be Jose Arquiti... Followed by a major league lineup, followed by major league relievers. Like, I'm saying you know, all major league relievers. You can beat anybody on any given day. So to have that confidence, like Japan, they have the confidence in their team as a cohesive unit, but they don't have the major league talent that Mexico does. And I think that's going to be interesting where you have Team Japan with some of the best players on planet Earth against Team Mexico that from one to nine is deeper. Who wins out? Does the star power win out? Or does the deepness of Mexico end up winning out? I'm very fascinated by that. Only reason I push back on that point is because I, the MPB is the second best league in the world. Absolutely. But these are major leagues. Yeah, but, the, but this is the MPB have... all-star team. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I think that, you know, these players of the MPB that Americans may not know about are Austin Barnes equivalent. Yes, but these Team Mexico guys are seeing major leaguers every single yeah, every day. day. And Barnes right. versus their catcher. So Who's it, better, right? I, I don't even know. I'm I don't know. probably going to take Barnes. Barnes has also been playing well. Like, yeah, Barnes, Barnes is in the major in, leagues. Like he exactly. Is, he's, he's better than here's, Team Here's an interesting, interesting talking point. Five-game series. Oh. Who do you like more at that? Oh, the pitching, I it's, guess, for Japan. But puts the thing is, the like, you have Team Mexico pitching. Sandoval looked great against a right-handed dominant United States lineup. Like, he pitched really, really well. We're going to see him You tonight. still have Arias. Like, Tywin Walker 
is still a good pitcher. It is, it is a good rotation. contract, but he's the three. No, he's right. the three in the Phillies rotation, yeah. or maybe he's the four with Ranger Suarez. And then you have like Jose Arquiti. He's the four, the five on the Astros. He's the, the, the reigning four champion. on the Mets team. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And then the bullpen, Plante, or not Plante, excuse me, nope. Giovanni Gallegos. They, from top to bottom, they're all major leaguers. I, I, re- I really like their team. team. I think it's going to be a competitive game today. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Score? Unless Roki just destroys them. Like, that that could happen where Roki comes out of the big stage and throws a no-hitter. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. And he just, he solidifies himself as one of the best young pitching prospects that we have in a long time. Yes. I mean, yes. you, I mean, you guys are the prospect guys. When you look at Roki Sasaki and compare him to other prospects... I mean, What's a prospect that you've been more excited he's, about? He's the top prospect in the game if he's a yeah. prospect. That's what I'm saying. Like, but compared to other years, like coming out of Casey Mize, for example. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Casey Mize is washed. Everybody just signed a new contract. That's why we came down to Miami. Yeah. And one of the stipulations, Casey Mize. Uh, I was wrong about. Him. Oh yeah, I put that. I put that in the fine print of Jack's updated contract. Yes, there, once so. a month, I have to say that I was wrong about Casey Mize. So. <laughs> but I still hope he's got something. Left. I do. He's too. He's forty. I mean, right. you think about like the generational pitching prospects, right? Like Garrett Cole, generational yeah. pitching prospect. Yeah. Steven Strasburg, generational pitching prospect. I'm taking Roki Sasaki at this point over San Diego State. Steven Strasburg. That's what I mean. Like that level of this guy is going to come in, he's and him. he might he might need what? How many innings in AAA would he need? Four. <laughs> <Zero>. <laughs> like, like, yeah. you know, like, like a simulated game yeah, and then he's up. Zero. Yeah, yeah exactly. so like a spring training stuff. Yeah. He's good to go. Yeah, yeah. Eight. No, it, he would be he would be number one. And, and that speaks to what he And what is. would Yamamoto be? Two? <laughs> I mean, they're both incredible. It's like him and Yuri like doing exactly. that. Right. Like, too, too many people are called him now. Too many people call themselves him. Like every cornerback in FBS college football calls <laughs> themselves him. him. Yeah. Roki Sasaki might actually be him. Like yeah. Otani is the him of Rosarena right is, is and Otani is talking is about Otani is talking about Rocky, this guy like, might be better. better. Yes. Patrick Sandoval, I'm talking to him on the arm barn. He went up to Shohei, who's his teammate, and like, said, I need a Team Japan jersey. And he said, all right, I'll get you one. He's like, no, I don't want your jersey. I want Roki Sasaki's jersey, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Like, Roki is going to – and all major leaguers see it. They're yes. like, this guy is going to be yes. a problem. 102 with a split. He's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, score tonight. Score – you know what? I hate picking against Team Japan because they probably will win. But I'm biased. I have a Team Mexico future. I have futures on both. I'm going to go with Team Mexico wins this game 4-3 to three in a great game. Score. I say 3-1 Japan. I think this is going to be one of the few games. Because the one thing about the WBC so far has been it's a slugfest, right? It is a slugfest. I think this is where we're going to see bunting. I think yep. we're going to see like moving the runners over. Runs. We're going to see the extra 90 feet mattering. I agree. And totally I agree. think that's where Japan just might separate them. So you're talking about playing as a team. Um, but I could also see Mexico just, just ca- catching lightning in a bottle and, and ambushing Sasaki. But yeah. I'm going to go 3-1 Japan. I have a feeling this feels like... Um, USA-Venezuela in terms of a competitive... It's not the same game script because... USA and Venezuela, they're more built they're on bats, yeah. while these other two teams are more built on like pitching and defense. And yeah. they have good bats too; they have plenty of good yeah, bats. But, but it, it's like it's Roki versus Patrick Sandoval. I mean, that's an that's an incredible pitching matchup. Yeah. But it feels like that level of competition where you really don't know who's going to win. Yeah. Where it's so close that the best team might not always win that day. Maybe if you play them over a seven game, we'd see the real. But in one game, anything can happen. It's going to be awesome. 
Six three Japan. Ooh, you Ooh. got more. You got more runs. Scott Sandoval's getting crushed or what? No, Munataka Murakami has been very quiet this uh, classic. Yeah, he needs to go crazy. He's going to hit a home run to right against a right-handed reliever for Mexico. Six three Japan. Like Murakami homers to the pole side. See, I like that. That's very specific, and we're going to be rooting for that. Yes. I can't wait. And I just. There's going to be so many players on Team Japan who we're going to be able to say we saw them yep. in their first World Baseball Classic. That's why I encourage you, cancel any plans that you have tonight. It's Monday. What are you doing anyway? Turn on the World Baseball Classic. Getting watch crunk on a Monday. Yeah, shut up. Don't get... Well, you can get crunk on your couch. Drink a couple of beers. Enjoy. No, I'm told. I'm told then to shut up. Like, shut up. Watch the game. No, it's I gonna mean, be awesome. Like, it might be one of the best games we see all year. That's Peter's term of endearment. Like, it's, yeah, we, no, no, no. we we close like yeah. a big deal with with a, with a new partner. He's just shut, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. It is a term of endearment. Uh, for me. <laughs> it's just like everyone settle down and focus. So cancel on your girlfriend. Yep. Uh, or boyfriend or whatever and. Tune into this game and tell everybody. Put do not disturb on your phone yeah. and just just kick the feet up and enjoy it. This Get takeout like sushi. Get tacos or sushi, whichever one you want. Man. All right, yeah. so or we're both. gonna tell them what to eat too. Man. Or both. Yeah, I'm in. Okay. Or both. All right. Keep it locked on our YouTube. Uh, I will put the uh, YouTube link in the show notes here. Um, we are going to have great content going up there. Of course, keep track of all the yeah. socials and. Uh, Get one of these, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my hair's not ready for merch. this. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. You can show <laughs> Hoodies, long sleeves, the whole nine. Also, in the episode description, you can find uh, our link tree, which has the links to all of the different podcasts on the Just Baseball Network and the Just Sports Network because we have still college basketball right in the middle of March Madness. I know these guys, uh, they have maybe the game cast on their leg while they're watching the big league game because March Madness is going crazy and we have a great podcast for that oh, called Just dude. College Hoops as well as the Just Basketball show, the NBA is heating up as well. We're obviously focused on the baseball side because baseball is insane right now. Yeah. And we have more division previews coming up and then our big predictions yes. episodes, which are going to bang. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm very excited. Shout out the Big East. Ed Cooley to Georgetown. Rick Patino likely to St. John's. We're back, baby. And with that, thank you, everybody.